All right, here we go, Zok the Gemara, bottom of Ches Amud Beis, 8B. Today's daf is daf test, we're four lines from the bottom. Ab Rebbe Chanin, Rebbe Chanin says, Luga da Eraisa Tumnasa Atika de Meryusa de Tzipar. If you want to know how much a Revius is, you take one of these pitchers that were used to hold the, the fats of fish in Tzipari. They have an exact measurement that if you split that pitcher up into four parts, each part is going to be a revia. So says, I'm wise about this. I know this this uh, this uh, pitcher. The base Rabbi Yanai have a machilim because in the house of Rabbi Yanai, they also use this pitcher not just for fish fats but even for honey. Good evening, Rabbi David. Thank you for joining us. All right. So. Says the Gemara Viter. All right, so now we know how to measure an exact revius. Zok the Gemara, bottom line, Tani, we learned in a bride. So, Chatsi Shminis Tavernis, Yishono. It is, if you want to know the measurement of a revius, it is a half of an eighth and half of a Shminis of. Um, an older jug. Omar Rabbi Yechanan, listen to this. Rabbi Yechanan says, It's a jug that we have nowadays. So Rabbi Yechanan says, it's today's day and age jug. Says the Gemara, but one second, but you said it's an older one. We called it a Yeshana. We called it an older jug. If it's used nowadays, why is it called old? Velamale Kariatika. Men begin to have a Why would you call it old if you still use it nowadays? Is the army davazire verabasa? Is the army dazire vlazire kamastahavis? So two answers. Answer number one is that the old pitcher is the same that we have now, granted, except over time people made the measurement larger and now it's back to the old way. Or you could say over time people made the measurement smaller and now it's back to the old way. Be it as it may. Either way, no matter how you want to answer it, everybody's going to be in agreement with uh, Rabbi Yechanan, or we'll say Rabbi Yechanan's opinion stands, that the older version of this jug measurement is the same that we currently have nowadays. Okay, period. Says the Gemara, What is the size of a kais, a cup that's supposed to hold the measurement of a revius? Now again, what, when do you use a measurement of a revius? When... You're measuring liquid. Rabbi Yisib b'shem Rabbi Yisib ben Paz. Rabbi Yisib b'shem Rabbi Bibi b'shem Rabbi Shmuel. Etzba ayimal etzba ayim arucha arba mechzor shlish etzba. We had this in Pesachim as well. And if you want to know the space area of a cup that holds a revius of liquid, there's going to be two fingers by two fingers, a height of one and a half fingers plus a third. Okay. So and we went through all the math in, in uh, Psachim, but that Gemara Shiloh was not about how much wine or how much liquid, rather it's just concerning, hey, if I have a cup with this measurement, you should know that uh, that size cup with all these fingers is going to hold a revius, period. Says the Gemara, very interesting, very interesting uh, ob- observational question, which is that we learned in order to be chayot for carrying wine on Shabbos without an Arab, 
you need to carry a revius of wine. Because liquid is measured in revius. What happens if the wine congeals and now it's a solid? See, the measurement for carrying food, what's considered eating? A kezayis, an olive. The size of a kezayis, an olive, is a different measurement. It's less than the measurement of a revius. So what if I carry a revius of wine, we'll call it between 2.8 and 4.4 ounces in today's measurements, right? So if I carry that on Shabbos, I'm chayev. I'm obligated. If the wine congeals, do I use a revius? Do I continue to use the revius measurement? Or do we say, hey, now it's a solid, and it moves over to a kezayis. So Tani Yavish, kezayis, divir, of Nassan, and Nassan says, it actually switches over to the measurement of a kezayis. Rabban of the Kisr, Grace Ben Bibi, B'Shem Shmuel, Asir of Nassan, Kerib Shimon, Kamadar of Shimon, Omar, Berevius, Kenovar of Nassan, Berevius, Lekisha Yishrach, Shvei B'Kezayis. Okay? So everybody's in agreement that this is the reason for Reb Nassan's opinion. That the same way Reb Shimon tells us that you only have a revius by a liquid, so Reb Nassan's going to say, hey, whenever it's not a liquid and it congeals and it turns more towards a solid, then it's going to switch over to a kezayis. Reb Simon B'Shem Reb Yishua Ben Levi. Now we're going to get into some interesting shilas, interesting uh, gemaras with uh, some midos, uh, lessons and on today's daf we're going to, we will have as a a few interesting stories and I got it to Gemara's by the way daf tes is the end of the third parak okay so we had a, just a, a couple blot a couple daf uh, chapter over here we hope to finish up the chapter today here we go yeah Dave you got the place we're up to we're up to uh, Rabbi Simon B'Shem Rabbi Shua Ben Levi. Listen to this. Rebbe's mule died. And they said that the blood that comes out of the mule is not going to give off, is not tummy. Usually in a vela's tummy. They said this blood is not tummy, the blood of a mule. Why isn't the blood of a mule tummy? Is it because that blood of a mule is never tummy? Or... Is it just because it was less than a revius and it didn't have the measurement? So I'd come. Rabbi Simon didn't answer him. He didn't answer him. So Rabbi Elazar is insulted. That actually blood of a mule nevela does give off impurity when it is more than a revius, Rabbi Lazar was very insulted that Rabbi Simaim uh, kind of ignored him and didn't give him an answer. Now the Gemara says as follows. Rabbi Lazar asked Rabbi Simaim, Rabbi Simaim ignores him, he asked Rabbi Shubham Levi, he tells him that actually blood of a mule is Tomei once it gets more than a revius. Rabbi was telling over the story. Yeah? Mule died, Rabbi Lazar got insulted. Is it true that the blood of a mule less than a revius is tar, more than a revius is tame? Who bought by? And when he asked the question, so um, he kicked him. All right? Who bought by? He kicked him. Amr Lay Rabzrika. Rabzrika said, yeah, he kicked him. 
He says, begin the delay of a daiti He says, he says, uh, no, let me explain. He says, you know why I kicked him? Be- because my mind was occupied. The Omar of Nasan, li It says in the Torah that when a person, you know, a person is under stress and their life is uh, hanging in front of them. What does it mean their life is hanging in front of them? It's referring to somebody who gets involved in a big investment. All right? And he's nervous. Um, how am I going to make my money back? I just bought a lot of grain or merchandise. It's frightened day and night. That's talking about somebody who buys uh, a lesser. You're, you're nervous day and night. Not necessarily the entire year. And you're not going to have trust in your life, that's referring to somebody who buys from a baker. In other words, you only have enough food in your home for that day. You don't have food past that day. So he says, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why uh, I kicked. Yeah. So if I know some palter, yeah, they have some Kishmaka psychology here. You got to understand when you're talking to somebody and they don't respond in a way that we feel is menschlich, or is appropriate. So yes, maybe we have a right to feel insulted, but we have to be down the kapschus. You got to judge people favorably. You never know. You never know what's going on in somebody else's life, whether they are, no matter what position they are in, no matter how good they seem to have it. And therefore he says, you know, the reason why I ignore you, don't be so insulted. I ha- my mind was too preoccupied. My mind was too preoccupied. I, I got too much going on. All right? Umahu, umahu kedain, says the Gemara. Okay, bottom line. Hold on, David. Says the Gemara. Umahu kedain. Bottom line is, what's Allah about the blood of a mule? Yeah. She says that the blood of a nevela is tar. Says you mahu tar. What does it mean? Tar, tar milahachshir, but letamayis mitame. It means that it's tar. That if this, we know like this. Let's introduce this. There are seven. Food cannot become tame unless one of seven liquids falls on the food. Now, one of those liquids is blood. It's very important to know. And what we're going to learn, halacha lamaisa, practically speaking, this is the psak. Not every blood is considered a liquid to make food capable of becoming tummy. It has to be blood that initially squirts out at the time of the shechita, at the time of the slaughtering. Any blood that comes out of any other situation is not going to be considered one of the Zion Mashkin, one of the seven liquids. So what does it mean that the blood of this mule is tar? It means tar mi lahachshir. It cannot make food capable of becoming tami. Okay? But if, the, but this blood itself is tummy. that if it touches something that's capable of becoming tummy, it will make it tummy. So it doesn't make something capable of becoming tummy. but once something is capable, then the blood of this, this uh, nevela will make that entity tummy. Taman Tanina says, what do you mean? We learned elsewhere, the blood of a sheretz, one of the eight rodents, that when it's dead, is metame, so not only is the flesh of the sheretz metame something, even its blood is metame, it seems that it makes, some, uh, um, it gives off tumma, but it doesn't make something capable of becoming tummy. And there's nothing else like this. And according to what we just said, I'll tell you another case like this. Any nevela is the same as a sheretz. But how do you reconcile this? Again, one, we just said that this blood of this mule is 
uh, gives off Tumah, but it's Tahar as far as being something capable of becoming Tameh. But there's a Brisa which says by Sheretz, that's what happens. And it's only by Sheretz. So how can you extend it to other Nevelas? And for the Gemara, what it means is Kishir Tumasa. Okay? That it's going to, as far as the measurement of the capability of becoming Tameh, there's different amounts. When it comes to a Sheretz, the flesh of a Sheretz and the blood of a Sheretz is metame ka'adosha. It makes something tummy when it's as little as a lentil. However, when it comes to a regular novella, for example, this mule of Rebbe, when it dies, it's only capable of transmitting tumma if it's the size of a revius. Avol domai metame kipsare, but it inachanami. But it is true that the blood is metame like its flesh, both by a novella and by a sheretz. Period. End of that back and forth. Let's get into a halacha. Amar Rabbi Yaisi. Rabbi Yaisi says, Pligi batrei amaran. Two amaran argue about, uh, about the halacha here, about the blood of an avela. Does it, does it uh, give off tumma, make something capable of becoming tameh? Chadamar tameh. One says the blood of an avela is tameh. One says it's tar. Mandamar tameh kareb Yehuda. One who says blood of an avela is tameh follows the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Umanda Amar Tarek, Rabbi Shua ben Pseira. The one that says Tar follows the opinion of Rabbi Shua ben Pseira, who says that not only does blood of an Avela not make something capable of becoming Tame, it doesn't even transmit Tumba Bechlal at all. Amalei Rav Avduma de Menechusa, Rav Duma of Menechusa says, it's MS, it's true, the Allah is, Rabbi Yehuda, my Reina, Debe Nesiyahave, Rabbi Shua, Rabbi Yehuda was the bottom line halacha in the Bein Nesia, in the in Rabbi Yehuda would give the psak in Rabbi's home. Okay, and Mamela, we uh, were paskening over here, and it was Rabbi's mule that died. And Mamela, we're passing over here that the blood of an Avela will give off Tuma. Two dots, period, end of that discussion. Now, <clears throat> The Gemara now is going to get into a beautiful Gemara. I want us to keep in mind one particular point that we just mentioned so far. Okay? Now, obviously, we should remember everything we've been learning. But one particular point I want us to keep in mind as we start the next Gemara, it's going to be psychology and talk about honesty. That's what we're getting into at this time. But just remember the importance of being in a situation and realizing you don't know the whole story. You don't know the whole story. Judge people favorably. And the reason why we have to remember this, we'll see in a minute, it seems to be a contradiction to the next Gemara. See, here we go. Says the Gemara, two dots. The halacha was, three times a year, somebody went into the treasury of the base of Mikdash and pulled out all the coins. Pulled out all the coins of the base Hamikdash, of the of the treasury from the Chatsi Shekel, not the base not not all the coins, right? The Machtis Shekel. This guy who went in, we said in the Mishnah, wasn't allowed to have pockets, wasn't allowed to have hems in his garments, okay? Because we can't have anybody saying that this guy going in is skimming money off the top. So there can't be. You have to be clean and glut. And Erluch in the eyes of Klal Yisrael and in the eyes of the Rabbani Now listen to this. Says the, says the Gemara, Shemayan of Aimru, people are going to start talking. Yeah, people might start talking about him. Tanya Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel taught us. 
Kavutz lo Yisrael. Remember, we're dealing with a tzaddik here. The guy going into the coffers of the Beis HaMikdash, this guy was an honest guy. Listen to this. If the guy had long hair, nothing doing. You know why? Because people could hide a little bit of money in their long hair. Kavutz lo Yisrael. People could talk, same as having a hem in your garment. Tony, we learned that also anybody who has a treasure in the base of Mikdash would comb out the strings at the edges of his garments. Nobody could say, oh, maybe he made a little net at the corner of his garment to steal a coin. Tony, we learned that not only that, when the guy was going into the treasury, they, they, they kept schmoozing with him the entire time. From beginning till end. You know why? Because if you're talking, you can't hide any coins in your mouth. You understand? Because if you hide coins in your mouth, you sound funny. So not only didn't we want people to, the, this guy to have uh, pockets, we didn't want him to have any human cavities available to stuff with coins. If you're talking to the guy, he can't hide coins in his mouth. Otherwise, uh, you, you'll catch him. The Amale Pume Moi. Says the Gabbara, instead of schmoozing the whole time, why don't you go like this? Here, uh, stuff a bottle of water in your mouth. Let's pour some water. Keep your mouth stuffed. And when you come out, let's see that the water's still there. Because if, if you ever opened your mouth to stuff a coin, then the water would have fallen out. I'm Rabbi Tanchuma, not bracha, because there's a bracha that's made before separating the money. And if his mouth is full of water, so he won't be able to make the bracha. Okay. Reb Shmuel Bar Nachman B'Shem Reb Yonason B'Terim Nevi Moksuvim Matzonu Sha'odam Zorach Lotz Zdei Abriyaz Kedelch Shud Zorach Lotz Zdei Amakam. A person cannot say, "I don't care what people think. I don't care what people say." We learn from all three parts of Tanach. Torah Nevi Moksuvim. A person needs to be careful not only to be clean in the eyes of Hashem, but to not do anything which arouses suspicion in the eyes of other people. B'Terim Nevi. What's the source in the Torah? D'Chsevi Yisim Nekiyam Hashem Yisrael. This is the Pasuk quoted in our mission because this is the ultimate Pasuk. To be clean, Naki means innocent, clean. There shouldn't be any sort of suspicion from Hashem and Kla Yisrael. B'neviyam minayhenu from neviyam d'chsev Ela likim Hashem v'yisrael hu yeida Yeah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu and he knows and Kla Yisrael should know. B'ksubim minayhenu from subim d'chsev v'matzachem v'seichot toiv b'ena likim v'odam Gamliel Zuga Sha'ol Rabbi Yaisi Bar Rev Bon We have three verses telling us the importance of a person having a, a squeaky clean record. Which one's the best pasuk? Amar he answered him with the pasuk that we quote in our Mishnah. This is. I just want to mention something. This I, I said before we started this piece to remember the importance. You know that story with Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Simai. You know he was insulted. He was insulted. And uh, we learned that he should have judged him favorably. He had stuff going on in his life, and that's why he ignored him. That's why, that's why he didn't answer him. Over here you see something which is not, it, it's seemingly a contradiction, but it's really not. Because over here you see, hey, maybe it's on Reb Simai. Even if you're having a bad day, you've got to make sure you're clean in the eyes of people. What are you, you, you just insulted somebody. You just, yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, it could be metaphorically he kicked him. It doesn't necessarily mean physically. But even if he did, all right, no, fine, be safe. All right, but you see, you see from this Gemara two ideas 
which can come across as a contradiction, but I really believe it's not. It's really not a contradiction. And it depends on what side of the story you're on, which takes on the responsibility that you have. If you have somebody who does something, you know what my achrayas is? To, be, to judge that person favorably. And it's his responsibility to not do it. But all right, that's his achrayas. That's his responsibility because you got to be clean. Don't do something that makes people think otherwise. If everybody would be doing their job <laughs> on either side, so there would be complete shalom in Kal Yisrael. There would be absolute peace. There's no, there's, no miscon- you know, there, 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 there's no misconceptions over here. If I see somebody doing something wrong, so I'm down the cops close. And that guy is also, whenever that opportunity arises, which happens, it happens, you know, halavai, we should be living like this. I can't live, you know, uh, I, I can't live like this yet. Bez Hashem, I'll get there. And we'll get there as Yidin. But, uh, you know, imagine having the, the kaychas and the, the capabilities of, of uh, living in such a squeaky clean fashion. That ends halacha bays. And now we get to the final halacha, the final mishnah of this chapter, which will take us all the way to the end. We're now on the bottom of Daftesa Maralev. Here we go. Says the mishnah. So they would now take out the three boxes from the chambers, right? And they would show it. Rabbi Gamliel's family had an interesting custom. And that was that whenever these boxes were about to be filled up, they would show up with a coin between their fingers and they would throw it towards the box. And the guy doing it would put that particular coin into the box so that it would be used. Again, what are these coins used for? To purchase the sacrifices. Not every coin was used. It was too much money. Rabbi Gamliel's family wanted to make sure their money, their particular coin, was used for the carbonis. The Gemara is going to ask why. Like, why? Okay? And I think that this might be a, a, an interesting discussion for us to have once we get there in the Gemara. But they made sure this was their custom. They wanted their money to be used. That's right. The one who would put the coins into the three boxes. Each box, again, held three sa'a, okay? So they would say, he, he would say, he would say, Esraim, is it time for me to put the money in the box? The Hamimrim and the Besdim would say, like, trim, 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 Yeah, whenever you want to solidify something, you say it three times. They say, yeah, do it, do it, do it. So he filled up the first box and then he covered the remaining coins with hides, with leather. Why? To show a difference between coins that are going to be used for carbonus and coins that are going to be used for regular parts of the Bedekabais. And he did the same thing with the second box. But by the third box, he didn't cover. The Gemara will explain why. The Gemara is going to get into uh, what the whole back, uh, you know, what, what the whole uh, idea is and what the whole process was. But as far as the mission is concerned, it says the third box we don't do it because maybe he'll forget and he'll withdraw some of the coins that, that uh, were supposed to be from the shirayim, from the remaining coins, and put into the original coins, and then you're going to end up with a problem because really each coin is supposed to be in their own category of use. All right? The first box was for the B'nai Eretz Yisrael. Why? Because those coins came first. All right, so the first time of the year that he did this, the first time he withdrew money was generally from the Israelis. 
because their coins already made the trip and they were inside the treasury. Yeah, and then the one, the second uh, time was for those who are a little further away. That was for the the people outside of Eretz Yisrael. All right. Zak the Gemara, very straightforward. Amar Beis, very interesting ideas. Here we go. Says the Gemara. So basically, all the people of Bergamliel's house would bring their coins, hold it between their fingers, throw it in front of the boxes. Says the Gemara. One second. He says, I understand. Frek the Gemara. Ask the Gemara. What's going on? Why do you need your coin? It's got to be your coin that's used. What's the difference? All the money goes together into a treasury, and Anybody who donated to the treasury, their coins are counted as if you purchase sacrifices with the coins, even if your actual coin wasn't used. You get it? If you have a million people each giving a half shekel, and we only needed a half a million of those coins, do only half a million people get schar? No! Money's fungible, right? Everybody who puts it together uh, uh, is going to get schar. So what did Rebbe Gamil's mishpacha gain from this? Says the Gemara, Anochas Ruchai Lem. Yeah, they, they gave them Anochas Ruchai. It gave them satisfaction. They felt Kishmak. Yeah? You have, and uh, maybe somebody here can explain to me why exactly they felt more Kishmak like that. I don't really uh, comprehend. They wanted their Karbanas brought first. Not so sure. Not so sure if this is a Miladika thing or if this is just a statement. I'm going to assume that if the Mishnah is telling us that Rabbi Gamliel's family did this, this must be some sort of message, some sort of lesson in giving. All right? What the psychology is, we'll ask, uh, well, one of you guys on, uh, on Zoom can schmooze, we, we can schmooze about it afterwards. All right, here we go. Dave, you think about it, all right? Tony, we learned in the Bryce. Shomares hakatav liois. What we said, when you separate the boxes, you leave some money behind. And then what happens when you leave the money behind? You cover it with leather, so you should show a discrepancy between the money that was taken out for the carbonis and the money that's going to be used for the bedek of bias. Um, what happened if that, if that leather hide got moved? Nasu kulam shirayim. So now, anything that's there has to be considered like shirayim, like it's the remaining money, and it's used only for the bedek of bias. Tony, we learned shlisha shiyaisa ashira shebekulam. All right? Now, listen to what we said. We said the third time that the money was withdrawn. The third time it was withdrawn... Whose funds were it? It was for the people living outside Eretz Yisrael, right? Well, we learned previously when they would bring the money from outside Eretz Yisrael, did they actually bring half shekels from everybody? No. You know what they did? They did as follows. All the St. Louisans would get together and they would say, listen, you know, it's a Shredish Adar. We got to start doing our half shekels, right? So, all right. So let's get the Gansad of Yaimi Chabura together. We're each giving half shkolem. We have 15 machzis shkolem to send to Yerushalayim. Did the treasurer or the messenger bringing the money have to bring actually 15 half shkolem? No. He would take those 15 half shkolem and change it into a $100 bill. If it equaled $100, he would transfer it into a $100 bill or a, you know, a $50 bar of gold. Right, whatever the total was, and bring that to Eretz Yisrael. So if you think about it, the third withdrawal of funds was always going to be the most expensive. 
because the coins that were inside that basket were much more valuable. They had much higher value towards them because they weren't just half shekel coins. They had larger golden uh, bars inside the third withdrawal. Tony, we learned the rights of Tarmas, are you sharing the shame of Israel, the shame called Yisrael? Shni and the shame Krachman, Makafan, the shame called Yisrael. Vashid, the shame Babel, Madoy, the shame Medina, Sarachik, the shame called Yisrael. Meaning, when we said the first one was for the Israelis uh, in Rushalayim, the second one was for the outlying cities, it doesn't mean that they were the only ones that got reward. But the money was generally coming from those areas. But Avada, of course, the reward of the withdrawal and the purchase of all the carbonas was on behalf of all of Klal Yisrael. Even if us out, living outside Eretz Yisrael, our money hadn't reached the treasury yet. Tani, we learned to the price of Natom and Rishayna. First, the, the, the one who withdrew the money would take from the first box, and while there's still money in the first box, he would take from the second box, and he would take money, spend money from the second box, and while there's still a little bit of money in the second box, he would take from the third box. He filled up the third box completely. He went back into, and, and uh, took from the second box, and if there was still money to spend, he went back to the first box. And if all the, the half skullim were used up for the uh, carbonites, meaning we still needed more money, for, uh, more than just the three boxes. You know, there was inflation, the price went up. Um, so he would go and he would take more, uh, he would take uh, more skullim. He would even be allowed to go ahead and take from the skull that had been covered over by the hides, even those that are covered over by the remainders. Obviously, according to Rav Meir, even the remaining money keeps its status as original money. Rav Meir says, We always count on the shirayim. We never really push the shirayim off to the side and consider it leftovers until we know we already have <clears throat> enough money for the main course. You know what I mean? For, for the main idea. And he says, listen, if you still need more money for your actual carbonus, you can go back to the money that is left there. It's not considered a remainder. Period. Beautiful. All right. Next piece of Gemara. We're now going to learn some Gavaldika approaches over here to how to grow in Ruchnias. How do we constantly grow Closer to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and we're going to take a quote from the Mesilas Yesharim, the Chayin Hayer of Pinchas Ben Yar Aimer, famous Brayso of Pinchas Ben Yar, would say, "Zerizus, a person who's careful in how they act, how they approach Hakadosh Baruch Hu, that brings a person to innocence, to cleanliness. Nikias, once you reach the level of cleanliness." It could bring a person towards purity, okay? Which means until now you've had Averis, even a Naki. But once you get Mamish Naki, you're Mamish innocent. So now you can reach Tara, you're Mamish pure. Tara, once you reach the level of purity, you could reach the, the level of Kedusha. Kedusha means to live with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I'm living on a higher plane. Kedusha mi anava. And Kedusha brings to anava. Yeah, we think, right? We think 
we are, we, we have humility, you know. We, we can have an element of humility. Yeah, I was talking to somebody the other week, and it was something that was going on. And he's like, oh, don't worry, uh, Rabbi, I know you. I know you're not in anything, you know, you're not in this for yourself. And I was thinking to myself, you know what, how do you know that? How do you know that? Right? I, I, do we trust ourselves to know that we're, we mamish are humble enough? No, of course there's an element that we're in it for ourselves. Yeah? By the way, there's, a, there's an expression. Whenever somebody harms you, it's not because they're out to get you. It's just that they're in it for themselves. Very few people are there to hurt the other person. We don't even realize we're hurting the other person because we're too busy thinking about, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm just thinking about myself. That's the problem, right? That's part of the issue. So, but to be a real onov, you got to first, it works in steps. You got to be a zariz and then a naki and then tara and then kedusha and then you can reach anova. Who, who, who among us could say, you know, that, that we've reached this? And then Anivos brings to Yiraschet. Then we really know, once a person is really humble and realizes that everything is the Rabbi Nishalaylam, yeah? So then I have Yiraschet. You know why? Because when I realize that everything, that who am I? Everything is God. Everything is HaKadosh Baruch Hu throughout the world and throughout everything. So now one second. If everything is Hashem, who am I to fall short? Who am I to use what Hashem puts in the world in, a, in an irresponsible way? And Yiraschet mibili de chasidus. Yiraschet brings a person to chasidus. You can go. You could start to understand how to go beyond the letter of the law. Chasidus mibili de ruach hakodesh. Chasidus allows you to reach ruach hakodesh. Okay, ruach hakodesh is like a low level of nevuah, low level of prophecy. Ruach hakodesh mibili de tchias hamesim. Ruach hakodesh could bring a person. To have the level of there were prophets who were able to resurrect the dead. That's how that's how tapped in they were. Keep in mind, each of us in our essence is a soul. What is a soul? A piece of Akadish Baruch. Hu. And the same way Akadish Baruch Hu himself, is gonna bring a Triasamesim. The more tapped in we are to Akadish Baruch, Hu, the more abilities we have, the more godly abilities we have, because that's really what we are a part of. We are a part of the greatness of Hashem. And Chiyas Hamisim Evili Dei Elio Zachor Latoiv. And once and Chiyas Hamisim brings to the coming of Mashiach. Zvizus Evili Dei Nikias. The Gemara is going to prove how each of these steps work. All right, a person who's a Zaris, a person who says, "Listen, I'm going to be Zaris. I'm going to be careful." So then you can come to be Naki. You could be innocent. Again, this is how we started the Gemara. Yisam Nikiyam Hashem Yisod. The Chesed says Vechila Mechaper. Yeah, uh, when you're finished, you could go and bring a kapara. This is talking about on Yom Kippur. So this is called a hekish. You have two psukim that are near each other. When the Kain Gadol finished the avoda, so then there was cleanliness. So you have a, atonement from Averis. Nikius, to be naki, to be innocent, to be clean. Mevili de Tara, brings to purity. Tara mevili de Kedusha. That's how you reach Kedusha. Right, we're we're not gonna uh, we're not gonna sin anymore. Nobody's really humble. Yeah, we go. Oh, I'm an anov. I'm an anov. The the Kutzker Rebbe talks about the guy who's so humble that he's busy peeking through his curtains to make sure everybody knows how humble he is. Right? Every, uh, people are saying I'm an anov. Oh, gavaldik. 
Yeah? Nobody even has a taste. We have no... I, I personally have no clue what it means to be an honor. Because Zokter Pichas Banyar says the Brisa. First, you got to be a Zaris. Halavai were there. And then you got to be a Noki. And then you could be Tara. And then you could bring uh, Kedusha. And then once you reach Kedusha, you can start considering uh, whether you're an honor or not. Right? Otherwise, well, of course, we all have a Zich. We all have something in this. Kikayamara... Um, once we're on the highest and the holiest of heights, then I'm going to realize that there's the lowly of spirits. They are people who are a shval ruach. And once we are able to humble ourselves and realize, you know what, Tendler, your opinion does not matter. I don't care how smart you think you are. You don't know what you're talking about. Everything is a rabbi We have such limited minds as human beings. We have such limited minds. But an anav starts to grasp that limitation. So an, a humble person can start to have yiras chet and say, you know what? I can't sin. The whole world is a rabbi And if my voice is the rabbi and my mind is the rabbi and everything is the rabbi so I'm, I'm afraid of using what's Hashem's in an inappropriate way. Because of humility, then you can have Yeras Hashem. You can have the fear of Hashem. The awe of Hashem. Yeras Chet brings to Hasidus, which is to go above and beyond, to anticipate what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants even more than what's told to us. The kindness of Hashem keeps perpetuating itself on those who fear him. Chasidus brings the first to Ruach HaKadosh. Then you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, spoke with prophecy, with Ruach HaKadosh. Ruach HaKadosh is a low level of prophecy. To those who are Chasidim, Ruach HaKadosh, a person who reaches levels of prophecy can reach the level of bringing Tchias HaMesim, bringing the resurrection, because like we explained before, we're tapping into who we really are in our essence, which is a Chelek HaLekamimal, a peace of Hashem, in the same way that Baruch Hu is going to bring a Tchiyas HaMesim, we can also do it. The prophets, Eliyahu, uh, Hanavi, many, many, many times brought Tchiyas HaMesim. And Asati Rucha, Aruchi, Bochevichi Yisem, and I'll bring Maruach into you, and you will bring life. So you see, a prophet, once you reach that level, can bring, uh, can, can put life into somebody. Tchiyas HaMesim, and ultimately that brings to the coming of Eliyahu, Dichsev, Hinei Anoichi, Shleach, Lechemes, Eliyahu, Anobidith, Nebai, Yoim Hashem, the coming of Mashiach. Okay? And um, the Pasuk's letting us know that the coming of Mashiach is always going to have Eliyahu Hanavi come before it. In order to have Tchiyas HaMesim as well, you need Eliyahu Hanavi come before it. Tchiyas HaMesim will not happen before the coming of Mashiach. So you see from here, you have to first reach that level before Tchiyas HaMesim. Okay? Let's finish off the Perak. One more idea, now that we explained that growth in Ruchnius works step-by-step, Tony B'Shem Rav Meir, we learned in a b'risa, in the name of Rebbe Meir, call me Shakavua Ba'eretz Yisrael, and somebody's going to have to explain this, this b'risa to me, okay? Anybody who establishes themselves in Eretz Yisrael, umedaber b'loshen ha'kodesh, and speaks in the holy tongue. Lashon Kaidish. Pashup shot. Simple meaning is in, uh, you know, 
in biblical language. As a, you could also say Lashon Kodesh means in a holy way. Okay, but Lashon Kodesh Pashup Shat. The, the basic understanding is in the Hebrew language. And also is careful in how they eat their fruits and vegetables, making sure that the shrumas and mice are separated. I'm careful what goes into my mouth. When I say Kriyashma morning and evening, I'm careful what comes out of my mouth. It's going to be exclaimed that this person is a Ben Oilam Haba. That this person is worthy of the world to come. Hadran Allah Bishlaisha Prakim. Hadran Allah Bishlaisha Prakim. Hadran Allah Bishlaisha Prakim. Mazotov to all of us who finished this parak, an entire two blot. Gavaldik, I gotta love Shkolim. You know how long our blot are. Bezjam, tomorrow we will uh, pick up with Parak Dalit and uh, we'll have a discussion if anybody wants to share an idea now. Is it so simple to be a Ben Elam Haba? Just pick up, move to Israel, speak in Hebrew, say Shema morning and evening, uh, you know, make sure you take Chumas and Maestras, and you know what, after that I'll go out and I'll speak Lashon Hara, I might kill somebody, yeah, do what I want, you know, but oh, I'm a Ben Elam Haba. All right? So here we go. What, what's impossible? 